0: back, ladies and gentlemen, to the week six edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert. Uh, this is where we gather every week to discuss the trades we're considering making or the guys that may be in play this week in your league, along with uh, general trade strategy. I'll tell you what, it's rare that we have a week that's this hefty, this burly on the trade market. I'm expecting some absolute blockbusters this week. A lot of guys that can be moved in either direction and certainly some marquee players on the buy side of the market, especially at the wide receiver position. So let's dive right in. Uh, you know, we don't always look back at the week before, but it's early in this year's edition of the Trade Cast, so I thought it might be good to just kind of look back at what we talked about last week and how that uh, dovetails into week six on the fantasy football trade market. Remember, guys, the, the trade market is the other place where you can improve – your roster over the course of the season, other than uh, just on the waiver wire. And look, we don't do deals just to do deals. I feel like I already see those type of things coming through over at rosterwatch.com where people want to make moves just to make moves. That's not what we're here for. You know, we want to buy with a purpose. We want to sell with a purpose. We want to attempt to buy low and we want to attempt to sell high. I mean, I want to sell to a guy who values an asset more than me. I want to buy from somebody who values an asset less than me. And we must remember that not everybody's a must-sell or a must-buy. A lot of this is simply about being opportunistic, about circumstances in your league, your needs, the climate in your league um, surrounding the player's uh, in focus today, and of course, we don't ever want to make a trade that imperils our chances of winning this week unless we are going after a huge, enormous fish and we got to bite that bullet and we're like a one loss or undefeated team and we think we can take a risk and absorb a uh, a closer matchup this week than maybe uh, previously expected in order to net ourselves uh, that Really, really big fish. For instance, last week, somebody offered me in one of my leagues uh, Jonathan Taylor for Josh Jacobs and either Chris Olave or Devontae Smith. And I actually thought at the time, before we knew Josh Jacobs was going to have another breakout game, that that would have been a pretty fair trade in my mind to go after somebody like Jonathan Taylor. But because he was hurt, it was going to leave me thin on my starting lineup at the running back position last week. And I was a 500 team and I just didn't think it was prudent to take that chance. And lo and behold, I stuck with my roster and I got a really important win and now I'm in better shape, um, this season. I mean, this week, uh, to start operating from a position of strength is what we always prefer to do at rosterwatch.com. We want the leverage. Um, Let's see here. Uh, In terms of last week, we recommended selling Rashad Penny. That obviously looks good in hindsight. We recommended selling Jamal Williams. Same thing there. Uh, Miles Sanders came back down to earth to that 17-touch-per-game guy that we told you that he was. Uh, Clyde edwards E'Laire came crashing back to earth. All of those cells look really good. The Brandon Cooks cell looks really good from last week. I think Damian Pierce is... The only one that, and again, we said he was not a must sell last week. We said Damian Pierce was the real deal and you were super happy to have him and to roster him. But we thought he was the kind of guy you could go after a really big fish with. And actually, after he put another great performance together in week five, uh, you're feeling more bullish about keeping Pierce. But I actually do think it makes it even more plausible that you could go after one of the biggest names in fantasy with a player like Damian Pierce if you're so inclined uh, if you have the luxury to do so on your roster. then of course, last week we told you to buy Dalvin Cook. That looks good. We told you to buy Alvin Kamara. That looks good. You know, we told you to buy Kyle Pitts. I think that looks good just because he's returned to practice this week. You know, we'll see what the results are when he hits the field and how his season ultimately unfolds. But, you know, the fact is he was out last week, and that was probably the absolute best possible deal You could ever get on him. His value was totally in the basement last week. And now with a return, I think if his owners held him, they're more inclined to hold him. So kudos to you. We'll see if it works out. But from a risk perspective and a calculated you know, tactical perspective, I think if you went after Pitts last week, that looks like a win as well because his value is almost certainly going back up with a return uh, to practice this week. All right, folks, let's hop into... Uh, The Week 6 trade market, like I said, it's absolutely enormous. I'm going to start with a guy. Look, it's almost impossible to trade guys that you just picked up on the waiver wire because your league mates just find that fishy. They feel like you're trying to get one over on them, even if it's a fair deal. That said, Taysom Hill was a massive priority on waivers this week. People really spin up for him. He's a hot name. I think he could add value. And conceivably, he was a guy that was maybe rostered even before uh, waivers this week. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to give some credit to the trash man on this one because I was getting lathered up to spend a big waiver priority on Taysom Hill on waivers this week. Um, I, you know, I was surprised to see that the trash man really didn't assign, uh, you know, big value to him on the waiver wire cheat sheet. He sat atop the tight end list, but he sat down in that bottom tier of recommended bids. And I kind of wondered why. And, you know, to trash man's point, I went and looked at the underbelly of Taysom Hill's production and profile, and I think it was really self-evident what the trash man was doing there. So Taysom Hill, three out of four good games this year, really. One stinker in the midst of all of that, one missed game on the season, and one absolute mega monster on the season out of Taysom Hill uh, in New Orleans with the dual quarterback tight end. Eligibility in your leagues. People are very lathered up about this absolutely epic performance he had. The top scorer in the league in week five. Yeah, and he did it in a very unorthodox way. And he's a guy you can plug into tight end. And a lot of times when we have this dual eligibility and a guy um, is producing more like a superior position and you can play him at an inferior position, boy, that feels like a real boon but I think it's very interesting to drill down into what Taysom Hill's done here really on the season Uh, he is tied in three in terms of points per game on the season which I think is a terrific selling point Uh, that said he's a 25% snap count guy I mean that's that's absolutely nothing at all I mean you can't you just can't do any 25% snap count historically is a totally meager output or, you know, participation in the game and and makes it very difficult to envision massive, uh, 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 consistent production. Um, This is shocking. Taysom Hill as a tight end. Everybody was picking up Taysom Hill as a tight end this week on waivers with this dual eligibility all lathered up. Taysom Hill's had one reception on one target this season. And I mean, that's just it's it's almost unfathomable, unfathomable that you could go pick up a tight end who's only caught one ball this season. Well, that makes you wonder, well, hell, he better be producing as a quarterback then with this dual eligibility, because, you know, that's where a lot of his value could come. If you're able to put him in at a tight end in your league, well, Taysom Hill, only one passing attempt this season. Now, of course, it was for one touchdown. But clearly, that's very, very unpredictable and sounds basically, you know, I'm sure it was a design play, but that's basically a fluke to have one pass attempt for one touchdown. It's just not enough pass attempts. If you plan on his prowess as a passer, um, being some source of additional production, unorthodox production at the tight end position uh, for Taysom Hill. And then really, when you look at it, Taysom Hill has gotten almost all his production at the tight end position this year in the run game. Averaging 10.9 yards per carry, we all know that there's no way that that is sustainable. I mean, if you're going to have a guy only getting five rushing attempts per game, that's just not even remotely going to cut it at any position on your fantasy roster. Now, he's scored five touchdowns on the ground, so that's where all the value has been. But we all know that that sounds like a totally you know, preposterous and outrageous outlier. There's no way that that can continue. And so you look at this and you say, well, look, if a guy is only going to be a low-volume touch guy, do you want those coming in receptions? Because usually receptions are 10, 15 yards a clip, you know, which is what Hill is averaging on the ground right now. But we know even the best running backs in league history are six yards per carry. So you'd have to imagine that his yards per carry will at least – Uh, you know, deteriorate by 50% big picture. And so, I mean, if you're saying he gets five yards of carry, six yards of carry on five rushes a game, that's 25, 30 yards. That's nothing to write home about at your fantasy tight end position. And we know that the five, that the touchdown a game scenario just isn't going to continue. So I think Taysom Hill is an interesting guy, depending on the circumstances in your league to try to throw into a deal, to get something over the top for a big player uh, this week. Certainly, if you have to keep him, I think he's an interesting guy, and he may really, really well uh, pay off very, very well for you this season. So he was an interesting pickup. Um, I don't fault you for your interest. I don't think he's a must-sell, but I think Taysom Hill is certainly, by definition, a guy we should absolutely consider selling high. Um, The next up on the sell side of the Week 6 edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast we kind of have a cluster, a bundle of, t- of wide receivers here, fantasy wide receivers, low-end wide receiver ones, high-end wide receiver twos in terms of points per game and half-point PPR formats on the season. I'm speaking about Gabriel Davis, Tyler Lockett, and Jacoby Myers. We'll begin with, we'll begin with Gabriel Davis, the number 13 wide receiver, the highest-end wide receiver two in 12-team leagues. You could really imagine in half-point PPR formats based on points per game so far this season. Here's the deal, folks, with Gabriel Davis, though, uh, the number 13 wide receiver in all of fantasy. He's only getting five targets per game. He's the wide receiver two on his own team. He does have a great matchup this week at Kansas City. Um, But, guys, Gabriel Davis is averaging more points per game than Debo Samuel, T. Higgins, Cortland Sutton, Jamar Chase, uh, D.K. Metcalf, Mike Williams, Christian Kirk, A.J. Brown. Um, he's not in the top 30 in air yards or on routes run this season um, or deep targets. He's not in the top 30 in any of those categories. And and this week I am referencing some of the data over our playerprofiler.com. Our good friends over there, the Roto Underworld, have decided to start integrating some of their data points um, into this season's trade cast. And furthermore, Gabriel Davis only won red zone target on the season. So, really, all the underlying data points um, really, really kind of undermine uh, Gabriel Davis's high end wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one status at this point on the season. And once again, he's a good keep. He's not a must sell. I think if you drafted him, you feel pretty good. Um, but He's a guy you can part with for a bigger name, uh, no questions asked, and he's marketable uh, right now. Uh, right there in that same basket with Gabriel Davis, uh, I think a little bit of a better profile, the number 12 wide receiver in half-point PPR points per game on the season. Technically, a wide receiver won an absolute steal of the draft so far this season. Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, uh, double-digit games the last four weeks in a row. He's averaging eight targets per game, better than Gabriel Davis, but still, you know, really not ideal. Uh, He's number five in the league in air yards and deep targets. You know, maybe that continues with somebody like Tyler Lockett, but it sounds pretty rich. And only two red zone targets so far on the season. Again, Tyler Lockett, a good keep, but I think he's a guy with long-term name value that's kind of been restored now because of the performance of Geno Smith putting up legitimate numbers week after week. He's a guy your league mates are familiar with. I think you can peddle him for a more prestigious player in return this week. The number 11 wide receiver, half-point PPR points per game on the season, Jacoby Myers of the New England Patriots. It looks like Mac Jones is getting close to return this week, um, You know, which I know uh, – We've had some interesting quarterback play the last few weeks there in New England, but you know certainly getting Mac Jones back is a boon. I will say this, Jacoby Myers missed week three and four with an ankle injury this season, so it is kind of a small sample size with him so far through uh, the first portion of this season. But all of his numbers really corroborate with – Myers use last season in the Patriots offense. So I think it's a pretty reasonable assessment we're looking at here. Um, he had a breakout last week Uh, that said it was against a terribly decimated and injured Detroit lions secondary, uh, last week. So I think we put some context on the week five performance with Myers, nine targets per game, very respectable. So better than Lockett, better than Davis here. I think Myers, you know, you're feeling pretty good. He's not a touchdown dependent wide receiver that said against uh uh, using uh the data points over at playerprofiler.com you drill down a little further you see that jacoby myers number two in yards per route run on the season number one in yards per pass team pass attempt um he's like operating in the ultra efficient most efficient levels of fantasy football right now and it's just difficult to imagine that that is something that can really maintain over the long run. I think you uh, you see Myers come down to earth a little bit there. He's not in the top 40 in air yards. barely in the top 100 in routes run, um, not in the top 50 in route participation. I will say Davis, Lockett, Myers all have middling matchups this week, so if you have to keep them, you're not in bad shape. If you need to move them this week, I think you got a decent matchup that you can uh, pitch um, your trade target in your league. And then last but not least, over on the sell side of the week six wide receiver portion of the fantasy football trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast is a favorite of mine from Eagles camp, a favorite of mine all offseason, my sweetest angel, the slim reaper, Devontae Smith. Absolutely uh, just a supremely talented player and a sick offense this year. It really feels like he's going off. I mean, there's a lot to like about Devontae Smith. Kind of boom busty. He's shown us some big upside. I mean, he's got some good trends going for him in uh, and, and one of the league's best teams and offenses this year. That said, all said, all, if you boil it all down, Devontae Smith, this actually even surprised me. 11.1 points per game in half point PPR so far on the season. Only wide receiver 30. That's a middling. Wide receiver three. We know he's one with good upside in any given week. But that that really sobers you up on your view of Devontae Smith. Again, a great player to roster and to keep. And I think there's many good performance ahead for Devontae Smith. But, you know, you put things into reality when you see that it's he's wide receiver 30 and half point PPR. He's had two stinkers. And he's only had one real, you know, nuclear boom. Seven targets per game. Really not going to get it done. Um, We did see the epic upside in week three. I think you can sell the fact that he's been double-digit points in the last three or four. That's what I'm saying. I feel like the sentiment surrounding Devontae Smith is maybe much higher than the reality at the moment. And again, who do we want to sell to? We want to sell to people who value an asset more than we do, at least to some degree. Um, To be fair, Devontae Smith, he's got the highest snap count on the team. Higher than Dallas Goddard, higher than A.J. Brown. Um, actually, that's the exact pecking order in terms of snap counts. Uh, it goes Smith, Goddard, Brown, uh, and there's some weeks that Devontae Smith has even played 99% snap count this year multiple times. So a lot to like there, but um, a lot of good selling points, a marketable player, and a good offense that I think can net you a you know a more prestigious um, asset in res- in return, a more top shelf. And reliable asset and return, and boy, do we have some of those in store for you on the buy side of the Week Six edition of the RosterWatch.com TradeCast this week. All right, folks. I'm, you know, I promised myself I'd keep these to less than an hour uh, this year. Last week, and even in what I thought would be an abbreviated week, it was still a full sixty minutes. So this is a big, just absolutely, you know, cavernous week on the on the on the trade market in our fantasy football league so i'm just going to keep moving through here at a very steady cadence tony pollard at the running back position on the sell side of the week six uh fantasy football trade market three double digit fantasy games and half point ppr out of the last four for tony pollard he's rb 33 on the season to Elliotts ezekiel elliott's rb 42 on the season people are smitten with pollard people are biased towards them. People are wishful towards what they want to happen with Tony Pollard, and that contributes to their bias, which can work to your favor if you are a prudent uh, wheeler and dealer out there on your trade market. 10.2 touches per game for Tony Pollard, simply not going to get it done. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 17.2 touches per game. 2.6 targets per game for Tony Tony Pollard, respectable, uh, not anything to write home about 5.6 yards per carry I'll tell you I really that that really just is the type of player that Tony Pollard is a just quick footed slasher north and south elusive in his own kind of subtle ways I, I think that probably maintains and that's a part of the reason that he's been so good on such little volume, 40 to 45% snap count guy, while Zeke is a 65% snap count guy. Uh, you know, with Dak returning, I don't think this is going to change. This is how the Cowboys intend to run their offense. Um, so why not see what's out there for Tony Pollard? He's a flex that you play every week if you have to or if you need to, but you're not really thrilled about it, right? You're playing the RB2 on the Cowboys again a fine asset but he's a flex why not he's marketable why not put him uh, in a deal and go after somebody that you think has bigger upside and more reliability the rest of the season continuing on with the running back side of the sell portion of the week 6 fantasy football trade market Jeff Wilson of the San Francisco 49ers four double digit games in a row coming off the best game of the season uh, number 7 matchup of the week at Atlanta this week. RB 21 on the season, 5.1 yards per carry for Jeff Wilson. I think that's kind of the player he is. I think that's a little bit of the function of the running back in this offense. 16.4 touches per game, only 1.8 targets per game. Um, Eli Mitchell's still nowhere in sight for the 49ers. He's a ways out, so I don't think that you have to – you know, he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. I don't, I don't think that he really comes to the equation. He kind of trade deal right now. I mean, there is always fears of a dreaded RBBC uh, running back by committee in San Francisco. Your league mates also know that, but I don't think anybody believes in Talvin Coleman and what he did last week or really the rest of that crew right now. It looks like it's Jeff Wilson's backfield for the most part. And I think he's a guy Uh, that you can move to a desperate and losing team this week uh, that needs multiple players in return, I would certainly consider it. A guy that reminds us of Jeff Wilson, a former 49er, Raheem Mostert, that used to average the big yards per carry when he had the opportunities in that 49ers backfield, that muddled 49ers backfield historically. Mostert, he's gone from a 55% snap count guy to a 70% snap count guy over the last month. Really, there's only one week of the season. I think it was week one that he was a sub 50% snap count guy behind Chase Edmonds. So we have this narrative brewing after the last two weeks that Mostert has really seized the role based on touches and performance and and also on snaps. But really, look at it. He's basically he's been the lead guy almost the whole season in terms of the snap count. So maybe the writing on the wall has always been there, and it's just that he's performed and he's taken this kind of taking this thing and running with it. I um. Obviously, he has a rapport with Mike McDaniel, who probably, um, you know, has a lot of familiarity with them and may have a little bit of favor towards uh, Mostert. And look, you know, we all, a lot of us on the half point and standard PPR draft cheat sheet over at rosterwatch.com. I was at two days of Dolphins camp and we were pretty bullish on Mostert late in our drafts uh, as A guy who could pay, you know, could pay us some value. So we got a lot of exposure to him. I know a lot of you guys roster him are feeling pretty good um, about it right now. Um, That said, I think that the narrative is kind of really surging on Raheem Mostert right now. And... I personally, after having been at those camps for two days, even I've been on the Mostert train, I'm not ready to dismiss Edmonds to the extent or degree that everybody else is right now. I still very much think this pendulum could swing around at various points over the season. It could be a hot hand situation at some times. We know that Mostert certainly has an injury history. He already missed practice this week on Wednesday with a knee. I think the reports are today that he's returned to practice Um, That's still I think that said, I I do believe I think the market is still having a bit of an overreaction to the disparity, uh, the sentiment surrounding the disparity between Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds at this juncture in the season. It very, very well may continue to bear itself out. Um, But, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that we can't try to be opportunistic. With Mostert, As a matter of fact, I think he's absolutely the type of player you can do that with right now. Fifteen to eighteen touches per game over the last two weeks for Mostert uh, versus twelve point eight on the season. That's where we've seen the real uptick. Four point six yards per carry, two point four uh, targets per game. Uh, good numbers uh, for Reheem Mostert uh, at this juncture, making him uh, a you know again a decent guy to hold, but also an interesting guy to try to met pedal on your trade market this week for somebody you have more faith in long-term. Speaking of a guy who's quietly been taking the lead for longer than publicly, uh, you know, the public consensus would have, you believe, Ramondre Stevenson, running back for the New England Patriots. Guys, he's been a 55 to 60% snap count guy all season except for week one. And he was 90% snap count in week five. Uh, We know Harris got a little bit nicked up in that game. Um, But the truth is, Ramondre has kind of very quietly, from a participation aspect, been the lead guy all season. So it's kind of a Johnny-come-lately on this narrative that maybe Ramondre is brewing and taking the lead in New England. That may have happened a while ago without anybody noticing. Uh, Three good games in a row for Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, he's RB 26 points per game, half point PPR on the season to Damian Harris's RB 28 half points per uh, game, uh, PPG on the season, Damian Harris, four and a half yards uh, uh, per carry two targets per game, 13 uh, touches uh, per game on the season, all inferior to Ramondre Stevenson 5.5 yards per carry 3.2 targets per game, 16 0.2 touches per game and not uh, touchdown dependent at all for Stevenson actually touchdown deficient to some extent so far. And he's certainly the kind of guy that has the body and the, and the playing style and three down capability to start getting in the end zone. Um, you know, the fact is it is, there's a lot to like there about Stevenson. But we are hearing Harris is back limited to practice today. We'll see if he goes uh, this week. It's the number three matchup of the week at, for fantasy running backs at Cleveland this week. A lot to like, but look, it is still a pretty significantly split backfield uh, on the long view uh, in New England this season. So do with that information what you may, but I certainly think Ramondre Stevenson shapes up as a guy with a nice profile to try to move on uh, the fantasy football my Rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. There is no better example of who to try to sell right now. Actually, I think he is the quintessential example of a must attempt to sell right now. Again, remember, not all these guys are must sells. A lot of them are just, you know, maybe sell if you can do the right deal or sell if you can be opportunistic or see what's available or, you know, sell based on circumstances in your league, but some guys really are must-sells or at least must-attempt-to-sells, and there's no better example of that this week than Michael Carter, running back, New York Jets. He's RB 36, half-point PPR points per game on the season, and falling. Along with his touches, targets, snap count, all of that's falling. For Michael Carter he began the season in week one a 60% snap count 17 touches 100 yards nine targets all in week one that has quickly evaporated and devolved to 11 and a half touches per game two and a half targets per game and only a 43% snap count over the last two weeks for Michael Carter he has been officially usurped by the studly and beastly rookie running back Brees Hall Who's really showing out right now? I mean, our comp for him, my comp for him, and you guys know I love Kenneth Walker, a player we'll talk about here also in a second. But even I just told the guys at Roster Watch, I said, we cannot have Kenneth Walker over Brees Hall in our rookie rankings. Hall is just way too much a stud across the board from his profile. I said he reminded me a lot of Leonard Fournette meets Antonio Gibson. He certainly had a lot of Jonathan Taylor to his profile. And I also thought there was a little dash of Josh Jacobs there. So when you look at that list of comps, Brees Hall, a hell of a prospect and that's manifesting quickly in New York as he has really, uh, seized the lead, uh, has really seized uh, the lead there. And even so Brees Hall was still out targeting Michael Carter the first month of the season, uh, before, uh, the pendulum kind of swung all the way his way these last few weeks. 3.4 yards per carry for Michael Carter on the season versus Brees Hall, 4.9 yards per carry. Brees Hall, 5.8 targets per game. Just simply elite, unbelievably elite numbers for a rookie. Guys, it's over for Michael Carter. He's living off the sugar high from two touchdowns last week and his best fantasy performance of the season. Take this opportunity. It's probably your last opportunity to sell Michael Carter to a less informed fantasy owner in your league. Who look, everybody knows at this point it's a it's a it's a committee, and there's a rookie that's looking good, but there's still a lot of guys that just look at fantasy points. Carter coming off of a big game, get you know get what you can for him now. Maybe package him in a deal to the Brees Hall owner who wants the handcuff at this point. But I I really would recommend. This is really your last opportunity to try to obtain anything of value for Michael Carter on the fantasy football trade market. As a matter of fact, I think some people are going to have to begin dropping him soon. However, given the two touchdowns last week and the bottom line fantasy production, not all of your league mates may know that. Kenneth Walker at the running back position. You guys are going to be surprised that I would ever bring up Kenneth Walker in what looks like the nut situation with Rashad Penny out. One of our sweetest angels and just just sickest prospects in recent years at the running back position. Um, a guy that I've loved since well over a year ago in college. I was alerting everybody, "Hey, get him on your Debbie squad. This guy looks sick." Um, you, you can't even believe hearing me say that I would consider why would Kenneth Walker ever be on the sell side of the um, fantasy football trade market when we have all this, everything, all the stars have aligned for this, you know, massive uh, uh, just breakout situation for Kenneth Walker. Could be a league winner, right? I agree with all that, but I think the chances at this point with the sentiment is surging, you know, th- Just literally just blowing. It's just, it's, it's into the stratosphere right now. And which to me, I think that makes the chances more that Kenneth Walker. Well, I don't know. It's it's, maybe it's not up to me. It's up to the guys in your league are the chances more or less that Kenneth Walker exceeds the current sentiment in your league rest of season in terms of his performance. That's what you have to gauge if the, if the momentum is through the roof in your league, like, guys, sometimes, you know, I'm a poker player. Sometimes, like, say you're dealt pocket jacks. A lot of times, you just want to take that pot down before you ever see the flop, before anybody gets any more information. You're strong at that point. There's a lot of chance you could get sucked out on. Why not just take a small victory instead of gambling and trying to take you know, go for the big victory. I think this depends on your situation. Um, but sometimes, sometimes, you know, you're better to get ahead of these things before the cat's ever out of the bag because people are so lathered up about a player. And that could be the case with Kenneth Walker. Obviously, he could outperform expectations. Um, we shall see. I think there's always a chance of a little bit of a surprising committee there in Seattle. He is a rookie running back. Uh, you know, not behind the best offensive line. Um, The offense looks better than anybody would have thought, but, you know, we'll see if that can maintain with what Geno Fish is doing. So, look, he's got a middling matchup this week uh, versus Arizona, but it is one of the highest game totals of the week. I wouldn't blame you if you want to just keep Kenneth Walker and see what you have there. But, you know, if he goes bust, though, it's kind of like poof. They're, you know, there were once your opportunity, at least now, to do something with him. So, kind of like... You know, why not just see what's out there for Kenneth Walker? I really do think in some leagues he can net you a really, really big uh, fish with all the hype surrounding him at this particular moment. Um, Tell you what, guys, you know, I think we're going to need some big bullets to fire at some of the big names we're about to get to on the sell. I mean, on the buy side of the week six. Uh, fantasy football trade market. So you may also want to go back to last week's, guys. You know, sometimes, oftentimes, we're a week ahead of the market here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast, which reminds me, like, most people are a week behind on the trade market. People were telling you to sell Antonio Gibson literally seven days ago. Well, it was too late. He was coming off an eight-point performance and a 40% snap count. Like, you got to have some foresight here. Whoever was doing that, it's like that's the useless information, right? This That's a lazy tout service that you're using. They're not giving you any advantage um, there. Usually we're a week early, so sometimes you really have to – sometimes I'm a week early here. Um, so sometimes we got to just say, okay, who was on the list last week? Maybe those guys are still in play. Again, we were selling last week Jamal Williams, Miles Sanders – I think Penny's out of the equation this week, but Clyde Edwards Eulaire, Brandon Cooks, Damian Pierce, those might all be guys that you can still throw into deals this week for some of the bigger players that we're about to discuss here in a few minutes. Um, well, first there's a couple of other guys that I wasn't sure what to do with this week. I've seen their names come up on the message boards at rosterwatch.com and You know, truly, I think in the end, they're probably holds. A lot of these guys that you're not, sometimes you're not sure, is this a guy, a buyer, a sell? And I think ultimately that usually means they are a hold. But let's talk about them. It could be one way or the other in your league. I think you need to identify the circumstances. Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars, probably a hold, but a guy I think you can shop to see if he's over or undervalued in your league right now. Uh, In my opinion, Travis Etienne, I think he's worth a couple of decent Flex or bench type players. Um, if I could get but you know, if I could give two low-end players for Travis CTN, I would, because there are some trends going in his direction right now. If I could sell him, though, for two good Flex guys, because people are buying the narrative that he is taking the lead in this backfield after the last week or, week or two. If I needed those two guys, I would. If I needed to liquidate and get like two good flex players in return for ETN, I would do that as well. So much of this, again, can be circumstantial. Um, again, so I think ETN probably in my mind, he's worth two decent flex players, two decent like top end bench players. Um, so what does that mean? If I could get him for two low end players, you know, lower end players, I would do it. That I maybe guys I think are overvalued. Um, you know, I think a Gabe Davis or one of these type of guys we talked about, a Michael Carter, you know, those are dudes that I would consider. You know, can you take Gabriel Davis and Michael Carter and get a Travis Etienne? If you could do something like that, I'd be really interested. That said, if I could sell Travis Etienne uh for two players that I think are of, of greater value, I would certainly still. Consider it. So I think take the temperature in your league on Travis Etienne, whether you roster him or whether somebody else rosters him. And then the other guy I think is very much in the same boat, although I would expect the compensation to be maybe a notch higher. I almost put this guy on the list last week. But I thought ultimately we as a hold, J.K. Dobbins of the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think he's untouchable in either direction on the trade market at this point. But I think it's unclear whether he's a buy or a sell. So depending on how he's valued in your your league, I could see him being a piece um, in play. Um, The truth is, after a down week last week, I would tend to probably put J.K. Dobbins more on the buy side of the Week 6 fantasy football trade market. And boy, do we have a just rich and just hefty buy side of the week six fantasy football trade market guys. There's some outstanding targets, especially at the wide receiver position. If you need help at wide receiver, you're in luck. This is the week to do it. There's a lot of big names we're going to get to, but first I want to tell you guys about a new feature at rosterwatch.com. You know, we have a lot of gratitude for all of our listeners, followers, and subscribers across all of our platforms, our social media, over at SiriusXM, our podcast, and of course, over at the site at rosterwatch.com. And we've decided um, that we uh, we want to pay it back. We want to do something to give Rosterwatch Nation a big thank you every week for all of your loyal support. So the trash man himself has decided to Put some of his own hard-earned money up to grabs every week for Rosterwatch Nation. That's right. The feature every week is going to be called Win Trash Man's Money. Um, every week, you guys, uh, it'll be a featured uh, post over on the ticker at rosterwatch.com. So to join this week's win the trash man's money featured contest for roster watch nation, just click the link on the ticker at rosterwatch.com or click the link pinned on our Twitter feed at Rosterwatch. And you guys will have an opportunity to uh, join either a big NFL pick'em for the weekend, or some weeks we'll do a, a big, uh, Squares Pool for a primetime game. I think we're being doing a, maybe a Sunday night football. Squares Pool, win the Trash Man's money, where he'll be giving away uh, you know, money uh, for free to members of Rosterwatch Nation. Uh, remember that you will need to join from your mobile device. Look for the post, win Trashman's money, the week six feature over on the ticker at rosterwatch.com, or look for the link to join uh, pinned at the top. Of our Twitter feed at Roster uh, that contest should be available um, yeah, through either avenue here very very soon. All right, folks, let's turn the page over to the buy side of the Week Six Fantasy Football Trade Market. Once again, I'm Byron Lambert here hosting the RosterWatch.com Trade Cast. And folks, it looks like he's returning to a limited practice and probably going to play this week after not practicing on Wednesday, but. I think you still need to see what's going on with Jonathan Taylor, one of the biggest names in all of fantasy football, the consensus overall number one draft pick in all of fantasy this year, a young stud with enormous upside, just totally coveted uh, in the very highest of tiers in dynasty, a player that we should be very, very interested in taking a risk and, uh, and pursuing in the fantasy football trade market and living with the results. We'll be able to sleep easily at night, whatever happens. If we're going uh, to war with players like Jonathan Taylor, didn't practice Wednesday. Sounds like he's uh, back at practice uh, today. Surprising that Naeem Hines is also back at practice after a concussion. Um... The, the team seems to think that Jonathan Taylor will play this week in Week 6. It's a middling matchup in what's projected to be a low-scoring affair versus Jacksonville. Um, really only one noteworthy performance of the season for Jonathan Taylor way back in Week 1. That seems like an eternity ago for his uh, managers. Um, no buy until Week 14 for Jonathan Taylor. 22.5 touches per game for Jonathan Taylor, an absolute monster four targets per game you love to see that rb 22 though and points per game half point ppr on the season i mean certainly there's a lot of meat on the bone for jonathan taylor and by definition his value must be depressed at this uh juncture no doubt his owners are frustrated uh, with the start to the season for jonathan taylor and his owners could very well be losing or near winless teams right now making them ideal targets uh in, in trades if you're a winning team with You know, plenty of assets. You should absolutely consider going after Jonathan Taylor um, You know, very, very strongly this week um, before he has a big rebound and he'll no longer be on the market. Again, we say it all the time. Some of these guys, it's not even about getting a discount. It's just, it's news that they're even on the trade market. I think Jonathan Taylor is in that bucket right now. And I would suggest that you see what's going on with him in your league. Maybe an even better target. I think you can get a better deal on him. Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals on the buy side, the running back buy side of the week six fantasy football trade market. Uh, we said last week that he belonged basically with Dalvin cook on last week's um, podcast, but he'd had a decent week four, just a good enough week four to get him off the Schneid and out of the woods. He didn't make the cut last week, but we predicted if he didn't string together another good performance in week five, he'd be right back here on the trade cast at rosterwatch.com. And, um, Of course, he's on the docket this week. Um, That's for sure. Uh, RB23 points per game on the season, half-point PPR. 23 touches per game, absolutely eye-popping for Joe Mixon. 5.4 targets per game, super elite for Joe Mixon. He's only scored one touchdown this season. We know that they're going to get positive regression there. There will be a rebound for Joe Mixon. That reminds me a little bit of last season, a slow start, and then absolutely gangbusters. Down the stretch he was second basically only to the aforementioned Jonathan Taylor down the stretch at the running back position last week nearly a seventy five percent snap count guy is Joe Mixon uh he has this bye week in week ten so it's not looming um you know imminently uh he does have a below average matchup against New Orleans this week. Maybe another feather in your cap if you're attempting to attempting to purchase on Mixon this week on the trade market. But guys, here's the here's just, you know, this is the uh this is the juice right here. I mean, week 7 through 9, Aaron, uh, Joe Mixon gets three top 7 matchups for fantasy running backs all in a row. Atlanta, Cleveland, and Carolina. Guys, buy Joe Mixon right now if you can. Aaron Jones on the buy side of the fantasy football trade market. Not as bullish on Aaron Jones, but given the pedigree, I think there's just a lot that still it's a calculated risk. 15 touches per game, 6.4 yards per carry, 3.8 targets per game, and a 63% snap count for Aaron Jones on the season to A.J. Dillon's 50% snap count and all of that said AJ Dillon 3.9 yards per carry he's not been impressive how do you put how do you take touches away from Aaron Jones for Dillon coming on at less than 4 yards a carry only 2.8 targets per game for AJ Dillon he is getting 4.4 4 touches per game so when he's in the game even on a lower snap percentage he's getting the he's getting the attempts um that said, I, I you know I I think as the Packers' offense gels, this is a whole new iteration of that team. There's a chance they gel and they improve and they lean on Aaron Jones. I mean, I think at this point we have to be honest and say they're just not going to be generating as many points as we are accustomed to. Um, but I think that that can improve to some extent. A- Aaron Jones is just better than A.J. Dillon. I mean, it's that simple. RB 17 on the season. Uh, The last two out of three games have been kind of measly for Aaron Jones. I think there's a buy opportunity on him right now. You know, I I don't know. I wouldn't treat him like Joe Mixon. Um, But if you can get a deal on Aaron Jones, I think he'd be smart to take a look at it this week and feel pretty good moving forward. DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions. He hasn't been relevant in three weeks, folks. Heading into a bye week now. I mean, his managers could be in shambles. It feels like he's not even been a part of the season at this point. Um, What a psychological bummer for his managers at this point. We like taking advantage of a psychology that has uh, kind of mounted to a point where it's irrational, right? Uh, I think DeAndre Swift, he's a risk. There's a lot of risk that comes with him, but we saw when he was healthy, he's a game changer. I think he's a great target for a winning team that can afford to stash him and take the risk. And I think there's plenty of losing teams you could pick him off from. Uh, you will have to just be honest with yourself about the risk with injuries and limited touches with DeAndre Swift. Still, he's the Lions' best player when he's healthy. He's kind of a big time weapon to insert into your lineup. Imagine if he was just like a flex or something for a really good team down the stretch. RB9 points per game. You know, even though there's a lot of underlying stats that belie that for deandre swift the fact is that's how good he is i mean he's a legit rb1 with big upside in any given week when he is in the game um it's all a calculated risk but we're here we're here to win we're here to go big or go home um i think deandre swift is an interesting target on the buy side of the week six fantasy football trade market for winning teams and then there's Najee harris i mean a player i'm not nearly as interested in this year i think he's just legitimately we didn't get him we kind of had him buried on the cheat sheets, the draft cheat sheets at rosterwatch.com. We got very little exposure. I've been nervous about him all season. And this is after I rostered him uh, last year. But I think it could just be ugly for Najee Harris this year. That said, like calculated risk, right? I mean, big name on maybe an offense that gets better, that he should have a workhorse uh, role. Running back 34 on the season for Najee Harris, an absolute just just devastating to his managers, 3.2 yards per carry, atrocious three targets per game. That's a, you would say that's not horrible usually, but it is horrible because he was averaging 5.5 targets per game last year. And that's what drove his value up. Otherwise you would have never drafted a Najee Harris in the second round of your draft this off season, 16.4 touches per game, a big decline. This is getting ugly for Najee Harris. That said, if you could cobble together a couple of middling pieces and bring Harris back like what do you have to lose maybe he will pay off maybe you won't but you know what an interesting flex he would be to roster that if he does heat up could be a total game changer uh, on the buy side we'll go with one last running back we talked about him last week James Connor looks like he's going to be out in week six um a lot to be concerned about with James Conner mostly injury related this point in the season and also just related to the offensive line and overall slow start of the Cardinals that said i think with the stigma attached to James Conner and everything that's happened so far this year and all the preseason concerns people had about investing in him earlier you know in the draft season based on you know one breakout year last year I'd say the psychology his owners are in the absolute gutter and you could steal James Conner right now. And again, what do you have to lose if you don't give up anything that's going to ruin your team and the process. James Carter James Conner RB 39 on the season points per game half point PPR dealing a rib dealing with a rib injury, he's already had an ankle injury. This is what he's notorious for. I mean, You know, proceed at your own risk. Only 3.7 yards per carry for James Conner. That's ugly. 3.8 targets per game is not ugly, though. That's a real nice number for Conner. He's been much more involved in the passing game. Only 13.6 touches per game, a lot less than I would have expected. I think it's a lot less they intended to give Conner, but the injuries led us down this path. The negative game scripts led us down this path. Um, he has a declining snap count percentage to match to all alarming things for James Conner because that snap count was originally dominant at the outset of the season. And I'm worried a little bit with the injuries that the committee might stay this way for the Cardinals long term. That said, as much as I like, Eno Benjamin, you know, I don't think he's a real full blown replacement for Chase Edmonds. Daryl Williams isn't going to blow anybody's uh, hair back and I just still know that this is not the team's intention. Maybe they make the adjustments and this is what they stick with. But everything you looked at with the Cardinals preseason while I was there at camp, it was very clear Connor was intended to be the lead guy by like a significant margin. I think that's what the team views as ideal if he can stay healthy. So, we shall see. That's far from decided. It's very unclear, but I think it still leaves the element of pretty significant upside for James Connor. If this offense heats up in Arizona, which I absolutely believe is going to as the season pro- progresses. so And I also think he's a guy you can get for very, very cheap right now. So what a smart stash he might be. Um, he's only on pace, James Conner, for three and a half touchdowns this year. That absolutely ruins um, uh, people's impression of him after 18 touchdowns uh, last year. All of that said, I think he still has the opportunity to heat up at some point. And uh, this is all about how cheap You can get James Conner, and if you're in a position to stash him, if you can get him cheap and you can't stash him, I think you might be really smart just to see what's out there for James Conner in your league. All right, folks, we're going to keep going here. We got a whole slew of big-time prestigious marquee targets on the wide receiver side of the fantasy football trade market, the buy side of the Week 6 fantasy football trade market right here. On the trade cast on Byron Lambert at rosterwatch.com. And let's just go with the headliner. I mean, wide receiver, 21 points per game, half point PPR on the season. Jamar Chase, 10.6 targets per game versus T. Higgins, only 5.6 targets per game. I mean, we should add it is malpractice, it's malfeasance, it's more than negligent not to attempt to go after Jamar Chase in your. In your league this week, this is there's no better time. It's totally a ripe situation. These are the calculated risks we take. Uh, you want to you want James you want Jamar Chase and whatever happens, you will live with the results. Uh, you know and guys, even though T Higgins has really outperformed Jamar Chase so far this season, fifteen wide receiver, fifteen in terms of points per game, half point PPR on the season. You know we did say he's only five point six targets uh, per game. That's a little bit alarming for sure. Uh, for Higgins I think he is a high value target ga- you know, guy and I think it can stay like that but look he hasn't been practicing this week we'll have to see how the reports go as the week progresses but he had a goose egg in week 5 um, may or may not play this week you know a lot of times we talk about artificial kind of circumstances or circumstances that manufacture kind of an artificial buy low moment on somebody I mean T Higgins has been good this year But there could be a a by-low moment brewing on him just circumstantially uh, here. I still prefer to go after Chase, but I think Higgins may very well, especially if it looks like he's not going to play this week, become available in your league and makes for a nice target. Uh, Clearly, Higgins is a good player with some upside in a good passing offense. Uh, Wide receiver five on the season, Tyreek Hill. Um, I think he's going to be hard to get a discount on, but – the fact that he's even potentially available would be news. And I think that could be the case with Tyree Hill. Two out of his last three games have been single-digit fantasy football performances. Um, we're hearing Teddy Bridgewater might play this week, but that's still up in the air. Even if he does play, that doesn't get Hill owners real excited. And there's no clarity on Tua's situation at this point. And furthermore, if, if Bridgewater doesn't play, then Tyree Kill Managers are even you know, more crestfallen uh, heading into this week. Um, I think you're going to need to find a Hill owner who's a losing team, but maybe it's possible. It's a bad situation at the quarterback position in Miami right now. Ten targets per game for Tyreek Hill. Again, you're not going to get a mega discount, but he may be available in your league depending on how things unfold, and I would certainly check it out. And, of course, his, his teammate, Jalen Waddle. Wide receiver nine on the season, half point per game, PPR uh, formats, uh, uh, points per game. Last two games, last two performances for Jalen Waddle less than five points each, and only 7.6 targets per game combined with an unsteady quarterback situation right now. This may create a buy window on Jalen Waddell, one I'm certainly happy to consider taking my chances with. Uh, wide receiver four on the season. Points per game, half point PPR. Devontae Adams, he's got a bye week. He's heading into a bye week. Oftentimes, just on its own, a bye week. If there's a somebody who's a manager that's a losing manager, a bye week on its own is enough to create kind of a manufactured bye moment on a player who otherwise would never even you know uh, be available. Uh, but you couple with that, you know, maybe a looming suspension over the way that Devontae Adams. Has been charged with a misdemeanor assault on shoving the cameraman in Kansas City. Maybe that's creating enough uncertainty, uh, uh, coupled with the bye week, to a losing owner and your a losing league mate in your in your league who rosters Devonte Adams. I don't know, see if you could be opportunistic and pick him off if you're a winning team. I think that's an interesting move. Uh, AJ Brown, wide receiver, 22 on the season. Points per game, half point PPR, and only nine or nine targets per game. Not only nine per targets per game. That's a that's nine is still a solid number. Um, but certainly after a hot start, I think people have probably come down a little bit on AJ Brown. And I know as much as I like Goddard and you know Devonte Smith, I like the whole Eagles you know um, arsenal uh, there. I think like everything they have to offer. I mean, I was I was there at training camp. AJ Brown is an absolute and total an utterly dominant force in the passing game for the Eagles. And I know at least to some extent, he's really the guy that they want to be uh, the number one. If I could get a deal on AJ Brown, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to take a look at it. Um, similar boat, maybe even better situation. Wide receiver 26 on the buy side of the week six fantasy football trade market. CeeDee Lamb, 10 targets per game. With a Dak Prescott return nearing, you know, it could still take a week or two once he gets back for things to get fully on track. But CeeDee Lamb has all kinds of upside here. And at wide receiver 26, um, unclear if Dak is going to play this week. Looks like he still may not. I think he might have a window. It's a tough matchup on paper against the Eagles this week for CeeDee Lamb. Um, And then let's kind of move down to a tier below those guys, I think Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, all very interesting guys, top shelf guys to go after. T Higgins, Jalen Waddell, maybe a notch below, interesting guys you might be able to take a look at on your trade market this week. And then I'd say even a notch below that, you have Michael Pittman, wide receiver 28. I mean, guys, this is a the 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 cupboard is full this week in terms of you know marquee fantasy football wide receivers you can attempt to trade for and get a deal on if you need a wide receiver this is the week um i i i i encourage you to act this week because it's not always like this i've been doing this for years it's rare that the trade market is this gigantic and robust in general it's rare that there's that many solid sell side of the uh, guys on the on the sell side and we've got this kind of depth of you know really high end talent On the buy side, Michael Pittman, wide receiver, 28, only nine or he's averaging nine targets per game. Again, not only Uh, that's a good number for Michael Pittman. There's other concerns there in Indianapolis Uh, that said he's not been performing and I think you could get a deal on Michael Pittman right now, but you need to make your own evaluation. Maybe he's a guy on a team that you're just not interested in. I wouldn't blame you for that, but you know, most of this is circumstantial. Not every wide receiver we're talking about here is going to be on a team willing to part with them um at this juncture but i guarantee of all these wide receivers we're talking about a couple of them are going to be maybe it's michael pittman and your league wide receiver 10 points per game half point ppr on the season this is actually shocking and it's on a small sample size but michael thomas new orleans saints um only three games played he's missed the last two still not practicing this week we've had the emergence of chris olave We've got a turbulent quarterback situation in New Orleans. I mean, not something you want to definitely like anchor your ship to, Michael Thomas, but you know, he's still not practicing with that toe. He's kind of out of sight, out of mind. If he was a guy that you kind of took as a stash, I wouldn't hate it. We've seen he's got wide receiver 10 upside. Um, some of that contingent on touchdowns. He's definitely been a little bit touchdown dependent. Only 7.33 targets per game. You're not going out of your way to acquire Michael Thomas. But I'll tell you, maybe he's the kind of guy that's a throw-in that equalizes a deal that you think you're buying a little low on. You know, you're happy to take him back in return and potentially see what happens. Maybe of more, more allure and even of more value, wide receiver 49 on the season. That's just absolutely astounding. Deontay Johnson, Pittsburgh Steelers, 10 targets per game. I mean, he's still getting, that's, that's double digit targets is still, you know, that's a number that we, you're still very pleased with, but zero touchdowns on the season for Deontay Johnson. You know, it won't stay that way. You know, we're hoping that the quarterback situation potentially improves with Kenny Pickett. I mean, there's a lot to be concerned about with Deontay Johnson, but what we know is at 10 targets per game where the opportunity meets talent, there's no way he's Wide receiver 49 on the season. He's going to be better than that. How much better, we shall see. But the point is, if you can buy him at value now, uh, I think there is some profit to be had potentially, perhaps, on Deontay Johnson, if you can get the right deal on him. Uh, Right there with him, wide receiver 47 on the season. Jerry Judy, only 5.8 targets per game, a much different story than the 10 targets per game with Deontay Johnson. Obviously, major questions surrounding the Broncos' offense. All of that said, it's Jerry Judy in an offense that maybe it'll heat up like I don't think you're going you're not going out of your way and you don't have a high expectations for Judy. But he's the kind of guy that could certainly like rebound and pop uh, to some extent who I think you could absolutely get for peanuts right now. Um you could get for 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 nothing. Um Rashad Bateman, a player who better than Judy but boom bust on the season. he has been out for a couple of games in Baltimore. People aren't thrilled with him. He was supposed to have some big breakout. I think he's a guy that it's unclear if he's going to play this week. You could target him. And then, last but not least, you know, a longtime um, I don't know, favorite, I suppose, of Roster Watch Nation, Keenan Allen. He's been doing it for a long time. A good player in a good situation. Can't stay healthy. The hamstrings bugged him all season. So, really missed most of the season. It's unclear if he's going to play this week. Um, he's another guy, I think, like you could probably get a steal on Keenan Allen. And if you're a team that has the luxury to go for, afford to onboard a player like him and just stash him if you need to, like that's the big name kind of guy that if he hits, heats up down the stat the stretch, I mean, what kind of just he, – he could be a, a game-changing flex for your fantasy football team. Um, folks, I would absolutely consider on this week's trade market um, – you know, you see what's happening in your league because there is a tremendous opportunity to improve our teams right here in week, week six on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Of course, we always leave you with um, a few uh, mock trade scenarios to give you a template, an actionable template to try to pursue uh, trades in your leagues. Of course, we can't cover every player every week, but you see what we're looking for. You may use some of these. Uh, aspects to identify players that you feel bullish or bearish on in your league uh, that you may be able to make a move for. So let me give you uh, some examples of some trades based on the players discussed today. What if you could take Gabe Davis, Tyler Lockett, or Devontae Smith and pair them with Tony Pollard um, and go after Aaron Jones or one of the top shelf wide receivers we talked about in this episode? I think you should consider it. What if you took Jacoby Myers or Tyler Lockett plus Ramondre Stevenson and went after Joe Mixon. I think you should absolutely look into something like that. What if you took Ramondre Stevenson or Raheem Mostert and Gabriel Davis and you packaged them up for, you know, uh, excuse me, what if you took Ramondre Stevenson, Raheem Mostert, and Gabriel Davis and packaged them for Jonathan Taylor and Jerry Judy or Deontay Johnson? to a losing Taylor team who needs to get you know three guys they can start in return. I think that's something you might be able to get done. What if you could take Kenneth Walker and Gabriel Davis straight up for Jonathan Taylor uh, right now? I would absolutely consider it. Hell, I'd throw in Taysom Hill if I had to to get that deal uh, across the finish line for one of the biggest names in all of fantasy football. Last but not least, what if you could take Michael Carter and Devontae Smith or Tony Pollard? And go after DeAndre Swift or Najee Harris. Folks, I think you can this week. I'd recommend that you absolutely try. So until next time, Roster Watch Nation, Godspeed and be well. Yeah. We got-